Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Hi, and welcome to From Beer to the Bible. I'm Sarah McDonald, your host, and today we have a very special guest, Chris Wilson with ASIC Recovery. Say hi. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we get started, please like, share, and subscribe at FromBeerToTheBible.com. And we're going to come to you from the word of the day. It's coming from Jeremiah 33, 6. It was put on my heart this morning for Chris to share his story. And it says, Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. So Chris, that came to my heart today because I know a little bit about your story. And after Chris got sober, he started um, a sober living home and now an intensive outpatient program here in the Fort Worth area. Um, So it has brought you prosperity and security. Um, Our show today is going to be called um, Chronic Relapse and Suicidal Ideation because those are two things we haven't talked about on the show and two things um, that Chris has dealt with um, before he came and got sober. And so we like to share a little bit about that today. Um, We want the viewers to to understand that relapse is sometimes a part of recovery. Uh, Chronic relapse is something when when you think somebody went to treatment and they can't get sober and they continue to relapse even though they've gotten the tools and support they supposedly needed. Um, And then mental health and suicidal ideation and how that plays a part in addiction and recovery sometimes. So without further ado, Chris, would you tell us a little bit about your story and how it all started and where it all started? Um, Well, basically, uh, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I can still remember when I was eight years old. Um, I'm from Houston originally. So um, I told my mom, I said, if it snows, I'll accept Jesus Christ in my heart. And she's like, oh, crap. You know, it's like, like how often does it snow in Houston? Yeah. Like every seven to 10 years. And woke up the next morning and it was snowing. Wow. Um, and that's just, you know, one of those things that shows me all along that God's been in my life. Um, whether that I've se- put separation between him and me sure. um, and able to see him now working in my life, especially looking back and being grateful that I'm alive. Yeah, absolutely. So, Absolutely. So what age did, did your drug addiction and alcoholism start? Um, I would say toward the end of high school um, when I graduated is, you know, my depression kicked in because all my friends went off to college and I stayed home and went to the art studio Houston. And um, back then, I would, most of my self-worth was off of people. Yeah. I mean, in the end, that's what it was. Homecoming court, you know, three different times, um, played sports year round and then they're gone. Yeah. So left me with me. Yeah which wasn't wasn't I didn't have the self-worth because I didn't have anything from self yeah absolutely absolutely so tell us a little bit about when it got bad and how like basically when did your story take a turn for the worst um it got bad um I think I got in that depression and my sister gave me my first um 
pill is what it was. Um, and that feeling of that, you know, I have arrived, you know, this was what I was missing because I felt like I was born without a instruction manual. Mm -hmm. um, didn't know why everybody else looked like they were doing great, but I just felt like I was missing something the whole time. Yeah. Um, but little did I know that, you know, where that was going to lead me and the path it did, you know, going to in and out of treatment, I went to my first treatment, um, La Hacienda when I was 19. Um, my parents took me there. Um, knowing that I had a problem that was pretty bad, um, I, I just, my thought process was, you know, I know that's a problem, but alcohol, you know, I'm 19 and you know, still can't even legally drink. Yeah. Um, so I still had that in the back of my head, back of my head that, you know, I'd probably be able to drink, yeah. which didn't work out for me in yeah. the end. It always led me back to the other stuff. So when you went to, whenever you went to treatment for the first time, like how much were you using? What made you go to, like, what made your parents decide you needed treatment right then and there? How much was I using? <clears throat> um, I would say within six to eight months, I was using uh, 20 Xanax bars and um, 60 Lorsets lower tabs a day. That's all in, isn't it? Yep, lost my job, got evicted from my apartment, um, was couch surfing and sleeping in my truck in that short period of time. Wow, that happened fast. So yeah. 19, went to treatment. What Were you just checking off the box at that point? Pretty much. You didn't want to go? You were just kicking and screaming, mom and dad make me, making me go? Well, I also didn't have any money. I didn't have anything, and I felt pretty bad going through withdrawals yeah. and detox. So I was willing at that point to do something. Yeah. Um, and so they took me there. I didn't know what I was supposed to be signing up for. Sure. Um, but you know, and, and since then, you know, went to 15 plus treatment centers or 12 plus treatment centers and then a couple psych wards, sober livings, um, one long-term 17 months treatment facility. Um, but you know, in the end, you know, this time around, I actually got to a point where I'd always get in and start out strong. Mm -hmm. And I would start doing the work and I'd start letting up on the work. Mm -hmm. And um, the first time in my life, even though how bad it was, um, I could always blame it on, on drugs and alcohol. This time I was stuck with myself and I stopped doing the work and I felt irritable, restless and discontent come up. The work meaning 12 step recovery, correct? 12 step recovery. Okay. So learn the steps, but you didn't find a sponsor afterwards. You didn't do um, meetings afterwards. Like what did I'm just saying this for the viewers because mm -hmm. a lot of people think going to treatment is going to fix your loved one and it's not it really is doing um, the things that they suggest for you to do whenever you leave that treatment center and a lot of us have chronic relapse issues because we don't do those things we don't go to meetings we think we can do it our own and our brain tells us like i got this you know i've, I've gone through this i know the steps but we don't take action and work those steps. Correct. And the big, actually, and the biggest thing is I started working the steps and doing all that, but I didn't buy into the higher power. I didn't buy into God. Got it. The God idea. Um, I came from, you know, a spiritual background. And so, you know, I was pretty resentful. Yeah. Um, the last thing I really wanted to hear was God because I felt like, you know, what did you do for me when I was out there? Yeah. Um, but really, it's what I did for myself. Sure. <laughs> what? Why do you think we turn away from God in the first place? It's um, a good question. Um, because we don't get what we think we want. Sure. Absolutely. And I, I've come to learn that I don't know what I want. Yeah. God does, and he points that out, and then it ends up working out the way I want it to work out because it works out the best way it's supposed to. Yeah. 
it's kind of part of that self-love. We don't, we, mm-hmm. we come into recovery, you know, hopeless um, and we don't love ourselves. So we don't know how to love other people. And then, you know, when it comes to God, we think, you know, we've done all these terrible things and God surely won't love us after that when he's the one person that truly can love us yeah, and absolutely. can get us, you know, to where we need to be and start having a little bit of that self-love, just a little bit. Yep. And yep. then it just grows from there. Um, in the midst of your struggle, what was the turning point for you in your God story? So the turning point is, is when I, when I had that thought of suicide and, and the actual feeling of relief came over, which was kind of scary. Um, I had a moment of clarity realizing I haven't given it a hundred percent. So rewind a little bit back. You were using and drinking and then what, I mean, suicide just came into play or. I, I was miserable. Okay miserable um i just wasn't happy and it wasn't that things weren't even it wasn't even that like i had a job i had a place over my head i just felt miserable and you didn't want to live anymore Mm -hmm. and you thought this world would be better without you in it i just wanted the suffering to stop yeah absolutely and it's funny because in that moment you know social media is always kind of like for once it actually paid off because i looked at everybody else whether it's what we put out on social media it still showed that people I went to school had families, they had careers, they had the normal stuff, stuff yeah. I wanted. Um, and so the turning point for me was I had to stop running from things. Consequences never, it would get me in, into the, a 12-step program and start sobriety, but it wouldn't keep me sober. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I had to kind of change the directions because like I said, the pain gets me in the room. Yeah. That's what I feel. But that feeling goes away. I can still logically think of everything that I had that was going wrong before. And sure, there's there's some feelings about it, but it doesn't have that strong pain that got me in. Yeah. And so realizing that's not going to be sufficient enough, I had to turn around on what goals do I have in my life? What do I want in my life? And in order to do that, I had to be sober. Yeah. I had to work a program and I had to surrender. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get sober in your last treatment center or did you go back out and come back into the rooms of a 12-step program? I actually did not get sober in a treatment center after all those. I actually just decided to go back in the rooms and start doing the work. Awesome. That's Um, hard. That's hard to do. But, you know, you get to that point of desperation um, and at that point where you probably don't have any resources and any money. And that's what 12-step recovery is free. Yep. You know, it's a matter of it's hard. Like people don't like to do 12 step recovery because you have to look at self mm-hmm. and nobody likes to look at themselves. Right. Not even sober people like to look at themselves. Well, and that's the funny part about it is now um, being sober, I realized I'm actually it took me about a year, year and a half, to be honest with you, to realize because I had some little things of like, well, I can't just drink like other people do and settings or after work or whatever. And I had a little resentment for a little while until I realized that what was now what was um, detrimental or what was negative, all that stuff is now an asset. Yeah. So I can use that. And I also realize I'm a better person than I would be if, if I just, I would never taken a look at myself. Like you said, sure. I would never try to grow as a person. I would never be spiritually connected um, for me because I had to be pushed, pushed to actually make changes in my life. Yeah. And the steps are so simple, but we make it complicated. <laughs> Very. So, through that process, is there, did you have a big spiritual experience or did you have little God moments or what did that look like for you where something shifted and you continued long-term sobriety? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if it was something spiritual. I, I would say it was 
they see of the educational variety. They say um, over time you start to realize things, um, you start to feel better. I didn't, I really more than anything, I started feeling better. Yeah. I started taking suggestions. Like I was literally talking to somebody last night that's about to face 25 to life. And he, he called me up because I've known him before. Um, and he said he wanted to work the steps. Um, and when I met with him, I said, so why do you want to work the steps if you might be facing 25 to life? Why, why now? Yeah. He says, I don't want to feel the way I do. And that's, that's when you surrender. It's true change because it doesn't matter where you're going. You just want the pain to stop. Yeah. You want something different. Well, and living, living in prison for the rest of your life, that's the only thing that probably will give you comfort. If you, I mean, there's at that point, there's no hope. And we've had Neil Williams on here mm -hmm. before and, and lots of people in that situation where there's actual miracles that happen through that power of recovery and that power of 12-step um, and that power of God. And mm -hmm. it's, it's you never know what's going to happen. You don't know yeah. your, your God story until you surrender. You know, you actually surrender. And he'll know. He knows when you surrender. And he knows whenever you fully turn your will and your life over to the care of him, right? Mm -hmm. Like. It's a, it's a feeling and you feel lighter mm -hmm. and then your life starts to get better. Things just start happening. So let's talk a little bit about prosperity and security and um, what happened after you got sober that led you to um, open up a sober living home for men. And then later um, now in IOP and recovery services um, for, for everyone in the area. That's funny. You say prosperity. Um, it was actually um, my nephew who passed before his 21st birthday. He was um, in sober living in Austin, um, and he decided to come back to Houston with his mom, who was toxic and not somebody he needed to be around, and within two days overdosed and, and passed away. Mm. Um, and so- So purpose drove, purpose. drove you, yeah. Purpose. Um, I, you know, I remember, you know, I went and saw a counselor and a therapist, of course, I think they're all good. We all need them sometimes. So um, I remember knowing if I'm being healthy and I just, you know, he just passed, I need to make sure I go take care of myself. And he said, what can you do to honor him? Oh, that's awesome. And so um, <clears throat> in doing that, you know, it's basically we, there's a lot of good treatment centers out there, but when the rubber meets the road and this is where he was, you know, what are we doing to help support these people when they have that freedom and they have that, um, to be able to make choices and decisions when they're not under a bubble. Yeah. And so I just want to make sure that we can best support them. Talk to the viewers a little bit about sober living and how that can help someone and support somebody um, after treatment or what it looks like for someone to go to sober living, like having not gone to treatment because they don't have to go to treatment, but they have to have X, Y, and Z in place and you have to have a commitment. So talk a little bit about both. Um, sober living is just, it's one of those things to have people around you with the common goal. Um, it just makes things a lot easier. I mean, isolation for me was really bad. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it makes things more difficult if you're just going to try to do it on your own. Right. It's, you know, it's a we program. It's, it's God, it's all that stuff. It's all, it's about connection. Recovery sure. is about connection. Sure. Um, and so it's hard to do that when you're by yourself. Yeah. So having some like-minded people around you, um, you know, some, you know, accountability, you know, in our program, we, we uh, have a, I'm a recovery coach as well as a counselor. So I meet with them on a weekly basis. You know, I share my experience of I've got a hundred ways of what didn't work, but I know one that does. Yeah. Um, and God's part of that too. Yeah. That always helps tremendously is, is, Hey, I've been there too. 
look at my life. You don't look like someone who's been through the trenches. I don't look like someone who's been through the trenches, but we have to use our stories to show other people yeah. what exactly recovery can look like. And you don't look like, you know, a person that was under a bridge or had a DWI or had 12, 15 treatment episodes. You look like an in shape guy <laughs> in his forties who has his own business, like the dream, like we have those dreams and we can aspire and you're somebody that they look up to. And so I love that you're doing that for um, men and men and women. I say that because your IOP services. So um, a little bit about your intensive outpatient program here in the Fort Worth area. Yeah. Um, it's also funny because you mentioned prosperity and I had the guy in the house recently gave me this. It says one day all the hard work will pay off. Oh. And, um, you know, cause it has been a lot of work to start it, but I, I also wear it because I remind myself that it already has paid off because to be able to see these guys grow and have different lives is really what's, what is the best. Yeah. Um, as far as um, you said, what was What that? made you open your IOP? I mean, you've done sober living for how many years now? It's been a while. So the IOP, I actually went to school for counseling first. Um, I enjoy the whole counseling aspect. And I, I think that it's a very vital part of, you know, there's the 12-step program is great, but I believe mental health yeah. um, is very important. There's other, other addictions and different things. If you don't take care of one, one will take out the other. And yeah. so whatever we can do to best support, to work through any traumas, any issues, family dynamics is huge. Um, sometimes that's important why they need to make sure they're in a sober living instead of just going back home. All right, folks. Well, today um, we're kind of wrapping it up here with our show with Chris. Thank you for being on. Chris, how can viewers um, reach you in your sober living and IOP services? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, ASICrecoveryservices.com um, has our information for our phone number and you can see you know, the pictures of the sober living and all that information there. Be sure to tune in next week for more on sober living, recovery coaching, and IOP services and how ASIC Recovery can help you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.